Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 a.m. Ash Wednesday service. I know there are folks joining us online as well. Thank you for coming and worshiping today on this uh, one of my very favorite days in the entire Christian year. Uh, in a little, in a few moments in the service, we'll invite you to come forward. If you're new to Ash Wednesday, uh, when you come forward, there'll be two lines coming, and uh, Taylor and I will uh, simply take ashes and make the sign of a cross on your forehead, and um, you return to your seat. So this is a service of uh, prayer and contemplation and quiet and offering ourselves and this special season up to God. So, friends, let us be in an attitude of worship. Let us begin by joining our voices with the words from Psalm 51, which is found in your bulletin. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Surely you desire truth, in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen.
please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading today is Matthew chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that when your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so they may be seen by others. <clears throat> Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. This won't surprise you, but I am of the generation that has had a cell phone since middle school, which means my entire adult life, I have always had a camera with me to capture every beautiful moment, every sunrise, every sunset, every smile. Writing this sermon, I actually looked and I checked, my phone has over 17,000 photos. And those are just the photos that I've saved since 2016. I have been taking pictures of beautiful things and capturing moments for most of my life. Most of my photos are admittedly of my dogs. And then the second is to sunrises and sunsets. This compulsion to capture, record, and share experience and parts of our lives is so entrenched in our culture. Many of us do not exercise without taking a picture or uploading our stats to a social media platform. If we make ourselves a salad or order the green juice, it'll be debuted to Facebook for all to see and appreciate. Whether it's a concert or a football game, travel or eating at a beautiful restaurant, we have the sense that if we don't take a picture of it, then does it really count? Sharing our lives this way has become habit-forming, as we not only enjoy the initial experience, but we also get this dopamine hit every time someone likes, comments, or engages with the social media version of our lives. So you see, every time we take that picture, and especially when we post it, it creates this feedback loop in our brain that positively reinforces the activity. So posting the statistics of that run has hacked the dopamine loop in our brain, and there is now an even more positive relationship between running and now getting the approval of others, ultimately making this a habit that you might be more likely to keep up. But the downside is now it has become an extrinsic, extrinsic motivator rather than an intrinsic motivator. 
Ultimately, we are creating a pattern where we are doing many things for others and less for ourselves. And I know I am guilty of this. I love to run, but my reasons for running at the purest level are in fact for me. They are for my mental health, my sleep, my energy levels. Yet, I have allowed this feedback loop to let running turn into something that is partially inspired by others' approval of my pastime. And you can blame social media, you can blame cell phones, but I really don't believe this is a modern day sin because Jesus is warning the crowd in our scripture today of this exact phenomenon. He's telling people to resist the temptation to do good things publicly, to not allow public praise to be the source of the inspiration in our faith, to not pray on street corners, but rather to prioritize prayer in our private lives to ensure that we are doing things out of our love of God rather than the approval of our communities. So as we enter this season of Lent, a season where we are invited to prioritize our faith through a Lenten practice, we must seriously ask ourselves to consider our own motivation. Lenten practices are not New Year's resolutions take two. Lent is not a chance to start a diet, to kick a habit you've, told, you've been told is unhealthy, and it is certainly not an invitation to do something that leads to cosmetic changes in your body or life. Lent is a season where we bravely face our own suffering and seek closeness with God. When we walk out of the sanctuary with ash on our foreheads, we are marking ourselves as people who know, recognize, and are not hiding from the fact that we live in a broken world full of death, pain, and separation. We enter a season communally where we acknowledge and lament this brokenness. And each of these 40 days are a chance for us to boldly face the hard question of what is keeping me from God? And this is such a personal question. Pastor Brian Combs, it, he leads a congregation in Asheville called Haywood Street Congregation that centers their worship life around the unhoused population and has and one of the things about the unhoused population of Asheville is that addiction is a really big part of their lives. Addiction has been a source of shame and rejection from their communities, families, and even the church. But one of the things that I have heard Pastor Brian say over and over again is, we are all addicted to something. As a person who would never get called an addict by society's standards, I have always been so grateful to be reminded that I am not better than anyone, especially our unhoused friends. I am not morally superior to any of God's children. My addictions have simply not destroyed my life in the way that others have. 
our addictions can sometimes look like being addicted to the approval of others, the growth of our finances, cosmetic beauty, shopping, romantic affection, the way alcohol relaxes us at the end of a day, maybe even exercise. Now, these things aren't inherently bad, but they can all be abused in ways that keep us from God and numb the pain that we wish to forget. Friends, I think you're here today because you have recognized your own brokenness, the fallenness of this world. You are here today because there's something in you that doesn't want to numb the pain any longer. My prayer for us as we begin this Lenten journey, that this can be a season of faith where we face our sin, not with shame, but with hope. Hope that we can experience healing, that we are more than our deepest secrets the things that we are most ashamed of, the secrets we keep even from ourselves, that we enter these journeys not to be applauded by our communities, but that our faith journeys will not just be for a social media feed, but for our own liberation, our own freedom, our own ability to experience oneness with God. The ashes that will mark our foreheads are a reminder to ourselves and to each other that we are people of hope, hope that we can be healed, hope that we can be freed. May it be so. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection and became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During the season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need that we all have to renew our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, 
and by reading and meditating on God's holy word to make a right beginning of repentance and as a mark of our mortal nature let us now bow before our creator and redeemer my friends let us pray almighty God you have created us out of the dust of the earth Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and penitence so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
friends, in a short bit, we will be invited to sing our closing hymn, which is Jesus Remember Me. And after that, we invite you to depart from here in silence. So hear now this benediction. As we go forth into these 40 days, we may encounter the world's brokenness in ways that feel scary or isolating, but let us seek God and know that we are people of hope, hope to be healed. Go now in peace.